Welcome to Sex Ed with DB. I'm your host, DB. Let's get into it. Welcome back to the podcast. If you love and support the work that we do, consider joining my crew on Patreon to win amazing prizes like our adorable merch, exclusive behind-the-scenes content, and incredible sex toys. Go to patreon.com slash sexedwithdb to join my crew. Get discounts at all of your favorite sex toy shops at sexedwithdb.com. And follow us on Insta at sexedwithdbpodcast and on TikTok at sexedwithdb. If you want to partner with us, email us at sexedwithdb at gmail.com. Close your eyes and think of your ideal sex toy. No matter what you like, you'll find it at Fun Factory. A few things Fun Factory's toys all have in common. They're 100% body safe so your mind is free to focus on fun. They include sex educator design games to get you going. And they're made in Germany, meaning they're long lasting. You get more O's from your toy when it stays in your nightstand and out of the landfill. Follow Fun Factory on IG at FunFactoryUSA and use code SEXEDWITHDB for 15% off your new favorite German vibe. If you've been a longtime fan of Sex Ed with DB, you've definitely heard of Clona Willy. But if you're new here, let me fill you in. Clona Willy makes incredible DIY molding kits that allow anyone to make an exact replica of any penis or vulva into a high quality, 100% body safe sex toy. And there are so many fun colors to choose from. Use promo code SEXEDWITHDB20 for 20% off at clonawilly.com. And follow them on Instagram at clonawillykit. We talk a lot about sex ed, but when we're shopping for products to support our sexual wellness, exploration, and expression, we head to the experts at Lion's Den. Lion's Den is an adult retailer with 46 locations nationwide and hundreds of your favorite brands. They have everything you need to explore and express your sexual side. Right now, you can use code SEXEDWITHDB for 15% off your purchase in-store and online. Follow them on social media at Lion's Den Adult on IG and TikTok for exclusive offers, deals, and giveaways. Good morning, Vic. How's it going? It's going well. It's sunny outside. So, you know, life is great. That's great. I mean, it kind of sucks, but it's sunny. So, yeah, it you sucks take what you get. based on the world around us. But <laughs> um, the sunshine is very soul fulfilling, I think. Yeah, would agree. It, it is it is the thing that the universe has to offer as it burns down around us. <laughs> oh God, terrible. Okay. And today yeah, we're talking about humor. masturbation. <laughs> no. Um where where are you, by the way? Where are you located? I'm actually in Kingston, Ontario, in Canada. I moved here like four months ago. I'm I have never felt more American than moving to Canada. It is a strange experience. <laughs> wow. Okay. To get tell me more. What's going on there? Okay, I know this is the smallest thing, but their Chex Mix here is called Bits and Bites. It's not real Chex Mix. And that's like the case with all of these products. And I did not realize how attached I am to certain things. Of course. Uh, Every, again, continuing on the snack theme, every package here has both French and English. So I can't even pretend I'm getting the same thing as in America. (laughs) And there's no Trader Joe's. 
Oh, God. Yeah. I'm a big TJ's gal. So that's tough. Yeah. The speculus spread or the cookie butter stuff. Like we when we go to the States, we buy four jars. <laughs> Genius. Genius. Um, OK, well, let's let's back it right up here. Tell Sorry, us about tangent. Oh, oh, you're you're doing great. I think Canada is a great place to start for some reason. I don't know why. <laughs> Maybe it just makes me feel like less threatened than our current society in America. But who knows? Uh Tell us who you are. Tell us about your work. I want to know it all. Okay. I am Vic. Uh, Vic Lou rhymes with click blue. Um, and I, I feel like the best way I can describe what I do is I am an information designer. And what I mean by that is I believe very deeply that there's a lot of information out there that people could really use and benefit from, but don't have access to for various reasons. One, a lot of it's hidden in books. And I think books are great, but also elitist, right? Like not everyone has the time to read through all of these useless books to get to that super useful book. Um, and also literacy rates, we need to be realistic about them. A lot of people don't find reading natural um, or intuitive. So a lot of what I do is about trying to figure out ways to take complex information that people could really use um, and figure out ways to give people access to it, whether that's through graphic design or just digesting complex things and breaking it down. Um, yeah. Super useful. Yeah, 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 yeah. And in public health school, I have a master's of public health and I graduated smack dab right in the beginning of that pandemic. Um, so we were online graduating. But uh, we did talk a lot about like literacy rates in America as well as in other countries and how valuable it is to have pamphlets with really, really amazing, you know, images and, uh, you know, graphics and symbols that make it really, really easy for people to understand whatever kind of information they need to like make the best decisions for themselves. Um, tell me like how you got into that and like how it relates to to your work. Uh, bang, which oh, we'll get God. into, but, this is... but give a little intro to that. <laughs> um. People are usually surprised to hear how it comes about. Um, I actually majored in international relations in undergrad, and mm. I've been doing graphic design since, I don't know, since I was in a high school newspaper and I was the only one who figured out the design programs. Um, but I've been in denial. I was in denial for the longest time. I could not figure out why I kept on doing graphic design. Um, and then my thesis in international relations was on the fragmentation of the Syrian uh, armed opposition during the Syrian war. Oh my. I know. We we are going far from masturbation. <laughs> keep, keep, we're going to find the thread. It, there is a thread. Don't worry. Okay. So what you're traditionally supposed to deliver is a 120 page written text on it. But the thing is, war is not linear. You, you like it. It is fragmented. There are uh, they call it tens of thousands of armed oppositions. It's grassroots. Everyone has their different opinions. And I, I think like my biggest achievement was distilling all of the complex information I had gathered into one graphic. Um, and I think that honestly, that graphic tells you more and is more approachable than the 120 pages I wrote to accompany it. Um, and I feel like that was a really big moment for me where I realized that we're really tied to writing um, in ways that I feel 
don't really take into account how human beings actually use information and think about it and process things because it's not natural, right? Like it's a learned ability to absorb information from reading, uh, mm. not to shit too much on books because I do love books, but of course they don't need defending. They know that they're, they're good. <laughs> they're great. Um, they're not the best way to, for every type of information. They also don't include a lot of emotions behind it, right? And then, so bringing it back to Bang, a lot of what's behind the design of Bang is figuring out ways to communicate and frame the information in an accessible and thoughtful way. So a lot of the graphics are from the first person perspective, no matter if you have matching genitalia or not. Uh, because the idea is to start from a place of sexual empathy to really put people in the place of this is a body that I'm exploring. This is an intimate moment where I'm alone, um, figuring out my sexuality, my sexual identity. Um, yeah. So that's how we get from Syria to masturbation. <laughs> Correct. Yes. It is Masturbation May, listeners. And uh, that's what we're talking about today, masturbation. And, you know, let's let's maybe give the subtitle to Bang. Uh, so Vic wrote Bang, exclamation point, colon, masturbation for people of all genders and abilities. Um, it's amazing, by the way. I really love it. It is so fun really friendly, really like has this great energy about it. Very digestible, beautiful artwork. Um, just tell, tell us about it and like your inspiration for writing it, like the beginnings of it. I want to know everything about it. Thank you. Um, that was the goal. <laughs> you did it. Um, well, there are, uh... Okay, there are multiple, it all makes sense in the end, but there are multiple reasons that Bang came into being. Uh, I think part of it is the sex ed that I had and that a lot of people had, and I think still have, focuses on two things, which is STDs and pregnancy, um, which in the end is useful, but not all-encompassing when it comes to navigating someone's sexual journey as they go through the real world. Mm -hmm. And what's insane to me is that we never talked about masturbation. And obviously, there's a lot of stigma and taboo there, but it's also a very natural first step into figuring out bodies, right? It is the most natural thing. People start touching themselves at three years old and it's not necessarily sexual then. It is, this is a part of my body just like my toe is. And I put my toe in my mouth. Like you're intimate with your the rest of your body in an intense way. And it's insane to me that we just completely don't talk about the most natural way to experience and start discovering your body. Mm. So there's that aspect. And then there's also the aspect that the, the way that most people figure out how to navigate someone else's body is through the gossip chain, the grapevine, and your first college hookup where probably someone is drunk and neither of you guys have mentioned the names of your genitalia. I used to say that there should be a rule that you have to say like penis to someone before you can have sex with them. But that was like not the case for a lot of people's first hookups. Mm. And I think that learning about other people's experiences from the place of sexual empathy, where you're like reading a book about what it's like for them to experience their bodies, not as an other, but as 
a firsthand perspective is a really valuable way to start this conversation about what sex could be, what navigating someone's sexual journey alongside them could look like. And I think that ties into one of the biggest impetuses, which is in college, I saw a lot of consent violation. And it's not as Mm -hmm. simple as just rape, right? It's this sort of messy gray area, gray area, right? Where people don't really know how to navigate things and they end up hurting each other a lot, but because of ignorance and not, and a lack of conversation. Um, and I really wanted Bang to kind of provide a safe shared conversation platform for people to really consider someone else's body and get comfortable with the language about talking about it. Um, yeah. Love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. Yeah. I think like many people listening who either in college or went to college can relate in this like messy, awkward, horny like (laughs) experience where all these young people are like put in the same room and then they're just expected to like smash their genitals together. (laughs) And it's like, wait a minute, let's Let's back the truck up here. Um, Like most people with clitorises and vulvas like need or require clitoral stimulation in order to reach orgasm, like 70 to 80 percent of them. That's not being taught (laughs) to Mm -hmm. young people. Um, Like it's definitely not being taught the fact that like when you're talking about cishet couples, um, you know, And unfortunately, like that's the language that's used in scientific studies. And I think that's changing. But over the past, you know, five, 10 years, that has been the norm. But when you're looking at, you know, a cishet couple and the average time that it takes uh, a penis wielder, as we say, um, to ejaculate, it's like something like five to six minutes is like the average Mm -hmm. time. Like media and porn and all of these things, culture come together to really share a lot of misinformation about sex and about masturbation and about our bodies. And I want to know, you know, like, tell us how common and normal masturbation really is in your research for this book. You know, we're going to, we're going to get a crash course from you right now. Like, what did you learn when you, when you looked some of that stuff up? 89% of people admit to masturbating by the time they turn 29. And that's, and I say admit to, because it is a shared just belief in the scientific community that masturbation is one of the things that people underreport the most. Um, and if you think about the number 89%, that is an insane number to, to not talk about masturbation, right? Definitely almost whole, whole yeah. of the population. <laughs> so I, I guess... I think that there's a lot... So I could say that masturbation is super normal. I feel like that is something that needs to be absorbed into common knowledge, right? That it is super normal. Bigger conclusions a year out from writing this book um, and releasing it into the world is that people will always feel weird about themselves unless they have the space to talk about it. Like it is, it is just fundamentally something that I've noticed. There's shame about masturbation, no matter if you're a sex positive person that uses a vibrator Um or if you're, you've never masturbated before. And I think a lot of that has to do with the way that there's such a lack of public conversation about what is normal um, and what is presented is something that nobody really fits perfectly. Um, 
but you see it show up continually. And I think that is something really important to understand is that there's no magical moment where you start to believe that masturbation is normal and you will forever Mm. have this wonderful, happy relationship with your body. It it is continual work because you have to continually fight. body image, right? right? Like when you have all these messages that are coming at you that are harmful and when the media and everything that you're consuming is taking a while to catch up, it it doesn't automatically uh, make you feel like you're totally fine and and all all gravy. Right, right. And it's like you have these brain worms that have been put in your brain, and you can manage them and you can mm, navigate spooky. them. I know, a little <laughs> spooky. Uh, but the media keeps on feeding them, and you're like, God damn it! I thought we got rid of these. No more brain worms. No more yeah. brain worms. <laughs> But like, for example, I hear a lot of people now, even though vibrators are super destigmatized at this point, a lot of people still find like different insecurities, right? So like, I've heard a lot of people be worried that they can't get off unless they have a vibrator. And that's fine. It is okay. You know, you don't Mm -hmm. need to be worried about that. And the thing is, we still aren't talking about masturbation in a textured and vulnerable way, especially not emotionally. At this point, we have the I, I wrote a very hot take on the cute vibrator. I don't know if you saw this article, but I, I didn't. Okay. Keep going. It is a hot take. <laughs> on the what vibrator? On the cute vibrator. I've called it the cute vibrator. It is Is it the rose one? It's all of them. It, it is this aesthetic <laughs> oh, oh, oh. of like a, a very, I, I, I say it is as asexual as the stamen of a Georgia O'Keeffe flower. It is sexual, but it's not sexual. And it's mm. beautiful. It's pretty. It has great graphic design. It's sleek. It can sit on your nightstand. And it's great. It has opened the doors to talking about masturbation and buying a vibrator in urban outfitters, but also it's limited because it has made masturbation conditional on the fact that it's chic, that it's luxurious, that it's beautiful, that it's it's inherently like feminine. There's like this whole Mm. feminine mystique quality to the design. Uh, and that's why, sorry to interrupt no, you, go but for why it. I personally, and this is like a personal preference, but like love the magic wand mm. because <laughs> it is, first of all, uh, if you've never experimented with a magic wand, highly recommend it. Um, it is like one of the number one toy toys sold in the world for a reason, mm-hmm. basically. Um, and it's big and bulky and this like big fucking thing that has this cord that you wrap around and you plug it in and it has two speeds and it's, you're just like, all right, I'm like ready to jam right now. Like I'm not trying to like do a photo shoot, although I do hilariously have a photo of myself with a magic wand pretending that it is a microphone. Um, but point being is that it's not sleek. It's not right. cool. It's not cute. It like serves a purpose that is like this big thing that's like I'm holding this in my hand and like I'm masturbating with it. Right. It is like tactical. And I think there's a lot of I don't I I I like that because I like how it's almost like that whole trend of depicting especially vulvas as like grapefruit or beautiful flowers. It's the extension of that where you feel pressured to like feel beautiful in the moment of masturbation and honestly if everyone could just feel like a couch potato in the moment of masturbation or you know if you want to feel like more gung-ho about it but i i want to free the couch potato masturbation (laughs) super important really critical they need your voice okay here's here's like where i maybe want to not challenge you per se but i do Do think there's another another piece here which is 
Have you had a lot of experience trying to get paid advertisement around masturbation oh, off yeah. the ground? Oh, yeah. That is hard. That is very so, hard. So that's what it is, is like, so I, you know, same thing on TikTok, right? Like I have a TikTok following. We have like 62,000 followers, mm-hmm. right? Like really solid base of people where I can talk about masturbation. I can talk about these things. Can I show a sex toy? No, yeah. because the video will get deleted. So like you kind of have to play both sides if you will like one like have your hot takes feel the you know the revolution like (laughs) of the couch potato inside of you and at the same time in order to play ball and like really match these super sexist algorithms and platforms you have to use the grapefruit you have to use certain things in order to not get shadow banned kicked off the platform your content deleted like it's a big problem that yeah. needs a complete refresh, but that's kind of the two dichot like the di- dichotomy of that really lives in my head both at once. I agree, and I honestly don't blame the people who have to rely on it. I more blame the platform because that, totally. that's like what's happening, right? Is is the whole system is forcing us to use language that's already been accepted, but is also outdated in order to get these like tiny micro steps forward. Mm-hmm. And that's so frustrating. It, it is frustrating to realize that you have to kind of conform in some ways and it, it's a trade-off. And I, I really hope that we keep on moving forward uh, yeah. and don't get stuck here. I guess that's really the takeaway. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let's talk about a lube I absolutely love, Uberlube. Uberlube makes sex better for everyone by reducing friction and increasing pleasure. Whether you're using it for solo sex time, sex with a partner, or both, Uberlube has a long-lasting performance that lets skin feel skin. It has simple body and condom-friendly ingredients, is scent and color-free, dissipates when no longer needed so there's no sticky residue, and is recommended by leading doctors. Use code SEXEDWITHDB for 15% off at uberlube.com. Seven years ago, I was gifted my first ever vibrator. It was a rabbit vibe and I was immediately in love with it and the pleasure it gave me. Having a bit of experience with rabbit vibes over the last seven years, I am absolutely stoked to tell you about an amazing one from Fun Factory. Miss Buy from Fun Factory is the dual vibrator you've been dreaming of with a powerful German engineered motor that gives you super strong vibrations. Follow Fun Factory on IG at FunFactoryUSA and use code SEXED with DB for 15% off your new favorite German rabbit vibe. But we're not done yet. We we're not done. More, we've had a lot to talk about with Bang here. We're not done in this podcast. We're not done in the world. Um, I want to know, like, what are some new things? Maybe, like, give me three, like, new things that you learned about masturbation that you didn't know before mm. when researching and writing Bang that you would want to share. I think my favorite stuff that I learned was about the history of the taboo. I think that I alongside most people believe that it's always been this way, you know, that masturbation's always a taboo. Um, right. We, maybe I should like be specific about the taboo, the idea that you only masturbate if you don't have another partner or you masturbate if you're mm. not sexually, uh, satisfied. Right. Um, like as a last resort. Right. Exactly. And that sort of taboo is very specific to our time and it's very, it's not something that's shared across cultures. I love learning about, for example, ancient Greece, uh, Greece, ancient Greeks. Um, <laughs> they they thought that masturbation was essential. It was kind of your way of it, it clearing out the excess energy that was in your body. It was as natural as peeing. Um, and I loved that idea, right? That it was fundamentally normal and accepted. 
And then another part is um, there. there's an uh, ancient Egypt Heliopolis myth where Autumn, the first god, created the world by uh, performing, well, sucking his own dick and then <laughs> and then spitting the semen on the ground and then the rest of the world came from that and it makes a lot of sense you know like how do you create the world from one person but having a creation myth that's fundamentally based on masturbation is something that's completely foreign to I've not our heard of that one that's it's great i love it. it it's just so because it makes so much sense and it also is so revolutionary when you i mean it's revolutionary for us to look back on right that sort of framing of things um and it's it's interesting to realize how much of this taboo makes no sense of at this point in time. Um, a lot of it originates from the desire of different religious groups wanting people to have children, right? They There is this idea that every single sperm had a homunculi, like it had a little tiny human in each sperm. So when you ejaculated on your sheets, you were creating mass murder. You were committing mass murder. Oh, right? oh my God. <laughs> um, which neglects the fact that what happens when a woman masturbates, it's not like they're killing all these sperm but right none We're of in the clear i guess <laughs> yeah <laughs> um so a lot of that made me it, it's just really reaffirming you know it, it makes you realize that masturbation is part of humanity and our taboo against it is so specific to the neuroses of our time um and it makes you realize that like what you're doing is an ancient act, right? Like when you masturbate, you're doing something that humans have done. Like you could be in a oil painting in the Louvre. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah, yeah, saying. yeah. That's interesting. We also we recently had on um a an author named Rachel Feltman, who wrote the book Been There, Done That, mm. Arousing History of Sex. And if you haven't read it, listener or Vic, I highly recommend you read it. It recently came out um, and it has a lot of really interesting facts exactly of like what you're talking about. And one of the myths apparently that existed that like there's no proof of this but speaking of ancient Egypt that like Cleopatra used oh the a, bees like yeah vase of bees like as of a, a vibrator to masturbate mm -hmm. with there is no um proof of this and it is a myth but it is a very fun myth and it is I a fun myth. think it's hilarious that that uh occurred to someone to be like oh yeah no she just like put a shit ton of bees in a vase and shook it and then just like you know masturbated with them it's like oh okay I all think, right okay my favorite part of that myth is imagining the person who has to go catch all those bees because that's what it, rachel talks about yeah. in the book she's okay. like how the fuck did this happen like how what are the logistics did they are they new bees every time she like is horny or I mean, like there must be you can't just like throw some flowers gonna die. in the vase gonna die. right yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So there's like some Speaking poor sod who had to like go catch bees every day. For <laughs> They're like, Fuck. Actually, I just saw uh, Jackass Forever. OK, I have not seen the that. most most recent. Yeah, I don't know. I We rented it even. Okay. It was like five dollars on Amazon Prime. So my partner <laughs> and I were like, let's fucking do this. We've seen all these Jackass movies. <laughs> and spoiler alert, if you want to see the movie and not have Jackass be spoiled, um, Steve-O puts a fuck ton of bees on his dick. Oh my and God. it is uh, terrible to watch. So yeah. in case you watch that movie, just be oh, prepared that there are a lot of bees on Steve-O's dick at some point in the movie. I don't think he did it right. I think no, that he was incorrect. 
to aim for Cleopatra and he forgot the vase. <laughs> he really forgot the vase. Um, it definitely didn't feel good when uh, stingers were going into his wiener, for sure. Um, tell me, speaking of myths, uh, you know, like like Cleopatra, um, what are some masturbation myths that you like want to dispel for people that you feel like, you know, are important to talk about? Okay, so there's there's all the normal stuff, right? That you can't masturbate on your period, that that's unhygienic, and that's bullshit. Um, we can we can say that that is bullshit. It does not affect your sperm count. It doesn't affect your fertility rates. It doesn't affect your ability to have sex later on. Um, and there's all that stuff. And I I encourage all the people, classics, all the classics. And I encourage people to like go and look that stuff up. But honestly, the thing that I just want to hammer home to everyone is. You are normal if you don't masturbate. You are normal if you do masturbate. You're normal if you masturbate a lot. You're normal if you don't masturbate often. I think that there's this, there's such a pressure to figure out what's normal, right? And everyone's Mm. different and you're fine how you are. Yes. Yeah. And I think this is a perfect moment to talk about asexuality and the spectrum of asexuality because I think, and myself included, we had a person who is asexual on the podcast a couple of seasons ago. Um, or was that last season? What is time? I have no mm-hmm. idea. Um, and his name is Daniel Walker and he has a YouTube channel called Slice of Ace. And he really informed me that like asexuality is a spectrum and like mm-hmm. for him and his partner at the time, you know, or I don't know if they're still together, but like he would kind of say like, yeah, you know, like maybe I am into sex, like if my partner wants it, but like independent of my partner, I don't really want it. And like, I'm still asexual. And I real that really was like a mind blowing moment for me of like, oh, if you're out there, listener, and you feel like I'm like not really into this, like nothing about this or only a few things about this or one thing about this is interesting to me. And like, that if you identify and are asexual like and you do like masturbation once in a while but not really or you know however you are and you if you identify as asexual like that's great and like you shouldn't feel pressure to conform to other people um something off the back of that though that I'm curious to get your take on are, well, question first. Are you around a lot of youths, like a lot of middle school students? Um, no, no, okay. not really. <laughs> okay. I teach sex ed in the classroom like occasionally and, you know, have been around different groups of middle schoolers and high schoolers at different points in time. And a lot of young people follow me on TikTok. Mm-hmm. You could just tell that they're like 13, 14, 15 years old, even though in my profile it does say 18 plus <laughs> protect protection. <laughs> Got to protect myself. Um, and pretty much on their profile, like a lot of them will be like asexual, ace, ace, ace. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting to me because I think that young people are having a ball with identity labels right now Mm -hmm. and like are very excited about it. And it's part of their experimentation. And some of those identity labels will stick and some of them won't. Mm -hmm. And I wonder your opinion on like how to engage in that conversation with young people around asexuality of teaching them, yeah, you might be asexual, And you might just not have gone through puberty yet and just might not be interested. And I think it's a really tricky balance Mm -hmm. um, when it comes to engaging in that conversation with young people. Do you have any thoughts? 
Yeah, I hear that. I, I think that this is honestly a tricky conversation with adults too, right? Yeah. Because it's this idea of respecting the the validity of who they are in that moment, right? And the and, process, if it's right. a process. And also kind of expressing that you can change. Um, I think the the key is finding the balance between respecting what they're saying about how they are versus respecting who they are. Does that make sense? Like I, I think of. Mm, okay, let's say see. more. I think that you can uh, I think there's a lot of pressure right now to completely always understand how your sex mm-hmm. identifies mm-hmm. you as a person. And I am really happy. Like, I I honestly think that I'm so excited to see how these generations turn out because they have so much more vocabulary to talk about what's going on with them. Um, And I think that there's a lot more tools available to them to explore and explain what is going on with them in a very emotionally intelligent and introspective way. So that's Mm -hmm. awesome. Um, I think they're also still going to change as they grow up. Right. And I change. I'm still changing. And I think that figuring out a way to be like, I hear what you're saying. I think that it's awesome that you are sure of yourself in this way. I think there's a chance that you'll change. And that is also fine. Like who you are is true to who you are right now. That might change and you'll still be who you are. Does that make sense? Yeah, 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 yeah. That's that's a good that's a good line. I think the the young people that I've encountered in the past have, you know, some of the more outspoken ones have been like, "Well, I'm asexual, so I don't need sex ed because mm-hmm. I like don't need the information. I won't I won't like engage in that at mm-hmm. all." And I think it's that there's the turning point of being like, "Yeah, maybe. Maybe you don't, but maybe one day you'll change and also maybe you'll have friends who need this information. So I'm going to need you to stay in class." Yeah. Like kind of just because you don't have like like for example we learn about biology you're not a fish you know it's still useful (laughs) sure sure yeah of course yeah you know as a teacher you're like no no you're staying in class like you're trying to figure out because you know part of it also is that they're uncomfortable with you know the conversation around masturbation they're uncomfortable around um, the conversation around sex and it's understandable like middle schoolers like sex is funny mm-hmm. it, when I work with middle schoolers that's usually the first thing I say is like hey sex is funny and like it's okay to laugh um, and like it's a little silly and awkward and like you're gonna need this information like whether that's about healthy relationships or sex or consent or birth control or STI prevention or drug and alcohol, you know, like experimentation, like there's so much that goes under sex ed. So I think like bringing it all together and saying, maybe you don't need this right now, but there are topics we'll go through that will be relevant to you. Right. Can I ask, like, what is the range of, I'm curious to hear like the most difficult quote unquote students you have and Mm. perhaps the like most rewarding students, they might be the same. (laughs) No, I don't think they're the same. (laughs) Um, I think the most rewarding, for example, like I'm teaching 11th and 12th graders and I have my last lesson with them tomorrow. It's, Mm -hmm. it was so short. I only had like two classes with each of them so far. And this is our third and final one together. Mm -hmm. So it's like barely any time. So it's hard to build rapport and build trust in that amount of time, especially when it's the end of the year, yada, yada. There's so much to it. 
But like I went over, you know, this idea with my students of like, hey, if you are trying to get tested for STIs and you don't want your parents to know, then this is the information you have to know. Like if you need to go to a clinic and you need to use your health insurance, call your health insurance and see if they're going to mail you a bill at home or if they can just send it to you personally by email. Pay out of pocket if you don't want to use your insurance. Like there are sliding scales here where you can get info in the clinics, you know, like Mm -hmm. that information. I think that students respect when teachers say like, hey, it's like none of your parents' business. Mm -hmm. Like your reproductive health, if you don't feel comfortable in front of your parents, you have a right to get birth control, get condoms, get STI tested without the need for your parents to know. Mm -hmm. And one of the students came up to me and I have an anonymous question box in every lesson so that students can and sometimes do write questions and I can answer them like in the following class or in a Google Doc so they can just visit it. But instead of writing a question, a student came up to me after class and was like, hey, can I just ask you a question now? Like I got tested for STIs the other day. Like I don't really want my parents to know, will they know if X, Y, and Z? Mm -hmm. And I was so touched that like after two lessons with this person, that they were comfortable enough to come up to me and have a private conversation with me. And I was able to give them a little bit more information about that. Like that is the most rewarding piece yeah. of like a recognition that they're listening and they trust me enough to ask me further questions. It's like the dream that yeah. like a sex educator has in terms of the more difficult ones. Uh, it's a combination, I think, of like behavioral issues that are just generally mm-hmm. difficult in class. Like if a student is being disruptive or, you know, if you're talking about anatomy and a student cannot stop laughing or keeps calling out when mm-hmm. you're talking about the penis and like hopefully you have another teacher in the room who knows the students better. If I'm a sex educator coming in for a couple drop-in lessons who can take that student outside, maybe talk to them about calming down, coming back in. So there's just like general behavioral issue stuff. but. Mm-hmm. Some students also like really challenge and have like harmful ideas about like the gender binary or, you know, X, Y, and Z where like I have to keep or abortion where I have to keep my cool Mm -hmm. and not be inappropriate and say like, no, you're wrong like Mm -hmm. or whatever, because you have to remain as like unbiased as possible. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, if a student is like, well, I think abortion is killing a baby, like all I can really say is like everyone has the right to their opinion and uh, although you can have that right to your own opinion, that opinion should not impact other people's decisions about their bodies. And Mm -hmm. the reality of the situation is a fetus is not a baby and that's a fact. And just, you know, Mm -hmm. whatever you can – however you can be factual – it's it's hard to always keep your cool, but I would say those are the more like challenging moments that yeah. I always am like figuring out how to how to go about that. Yeah, being a teacher in those very emotionally charged situations is really hard. You have to like figure out ways to kind of like depersonalize yourself um, and figure out how to like per- like shape yourself around their needs. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow, Vic, this has been so wonderful. <laughs> we have a couple more questions. Sorry, um, we. I keep like no. I just want to hear more. <laughs> I have haven't really talked about my sex ed work on the podcast, mm-hmm. so this is a very fun moment for mm-hmm. me to do that. So thanks for asking. Mm-hmm. Um, but I want to know, like, if you want the listeners to walk away with like one main takeaway when it comes to masturbation, what would that be? 
I said I say this in the conclusion of the book, but I heard this quote a while back and I can't figure out where it is. I've tried to figure out where it's from. Uh, but at the end of the day, I can't tell if sex is the most important thing in the world or the least important thing in the world. And mm. I feel like that's been true ever since I heard that quote. <laughs> and that's probably some related to what I want people to walk away with. Like it is and isn't important at all. Like, but mm-hmm. it is. It's also a lot of who you are as a person. But it's also totally not. It, it's your genitals are like your big toe. They're important to you. They're a part of you, but also they're just another part of your body. <laughs> mm. I haven't really even yeah thought about it in that way before. That's pretty deep and like (laughs) an important thing to recognize because there there is so much pressure right now around the world with like you know in america with roe v wade being overturned this summer like i think we are taught to like that like it we have to fight as if it is Mm -hmm. but the reality is is that other countries and like other people who live in those countries have the privilege of like not of it only being like one part of our whole but i think when our when our reproductive rights are challenged and have been for a long time for bipoc and low income folks mm-hmm. around the country it becomes uh more of a focus would you would you agree i totally agree i think that so this is a bit of a uh like metaphor but i guess A lot of it has to do with how the system forces you to defend something that should just be yours, right? Oh, God, that was beautiful. (laughs) It's kind of like how being a BIPOC person is shaped a lot by what you have to resist in order to carve space for yourself. But Mm. in the ideal world, it should just be another part of who you are, right? And similarly, with your body, it should just be yours, but we're being forced to fight for it. And it's not just your body you're fighting for. It's the impact and the the resonating impact of how it transfers into your community, into your entire life. And that's, yeah, I, I guess like it, it sucks how much it matters. Does that make sense what I'm saying? It completely does. Yeah. I was going to say Vic for president. Come on back to America. We we need you here. I, I know. I, I Don't worry. I'm coming back. I have a weird abusive relationship with America where the more it sucks, the <laughs> more I feel it. like I need to go back there. <laughs> yeah. Really fucked up. Really fucked up. That's what's saying the Star, uh, Star Spangled Banner. Pledge of Allegiance every day. We'll do it again. You know, you're just like indoctrinated. Yep. Um, Vic, this has been wonderful. I'm wondering if you can share where people can get bang and follow along on your journey as a badass artist, info maker, social change fighter. I don't know all your titles, but those are the ones that I created. Thank you. I like them. (laughs) Um, You can follow Bang's journey at Bang for All on Instagram, spelled exactly how you would think it would be spelled. To be honest, right now I'm working on my next book, which is... Okay, so again, we're going from Syria to masturbation to mass incarceration. Okay, uh, yeah, so I I'm, see the thread. <laughs> autonomy. Yeah, it has freedom. A lot of autonomy. Um, so it's going to be co-written with James Kilgore, and it's going to be a visualized primer on mass incarceration in America. And I've been informed that mass incarceration and masturbation 
rhyme quite well. And that is going to be oh, the connection. Oh, I have not thought about that. That's great. Great tie. <laughs> so I guess the next one is going to have to be like berry maceration or something. Anyways. <laughs> um, Interesting. Interesting. Wow. Okay. And when is that book? coming out the manuscript is due october so i would just keep an yeah. eye out yeah i'm okay. i'm very interested to see where the overlap of my audience is is gonna great. be great <laughs> okay incredible um well vic thank you again for being on uh you are so amazing to learn from and it has been such a fantastic wonderful conversation so thanks again for for joining us thanks for having me you're a joy <laughs> thank you <laughs> Let's talk about lube and condoms. Something important to know is that oil-based lube is not to be used with condoms because the oil can cause the condom to break or tear, which would defeat the purpose of using it. Thank goodness for Uber Lube. Uber Lube is latex compatible, so it's safe and effective to use with condoms. But wait, there's more. Dispensing two drops of Uber Lube inside a condom and a measured pump outside will increase pleasure. What are you waiting for? Use code SEXEDWITHDB for 15% off at uberlube.com. In a world that constantly encourages you to change, it's bold to just be yourself. Sexual expression and satisfaction are different for everybody, so rather than conforming to others, focus on falling in love with who you are. Lion's Den sources the very best products to help you find what you like and help you feel confident expressing your sexual desires. You can get 15% off in-store and online using code SEXEDWITHDB to begin exploring everything about yourself. Follow Lion's Den on social, at Lion's Den Adult on Instagram and TikTok. Do you ever look at yourself in the mirror and think, damn, my part is fine art? Well, Clona Willie definitely thinks so. Made in Portland, Oregon, Clona Willie makes for the most personalized sex toy on the planet, and Clona Pussy makes for the most unique memento. Their mission is to create unique, affordable, and high-quality products that will not only last over the years, but provide their customers with a fun and memorable experience. Use promo code SEXEDWITHDB20 for 20% off at clonawilly.com. Our creator, host, EP, and sound engineer is me, Danielle Bezalel, aka DB. Our co-producer and communications lead is Katherine Cohen. Our music theme is by Hook Sounds, and our ad music is by my stepdad, Bill Gant. Thank you so much to our featured guests, partners, and our listeners. Want to advertise with us? Email us at sexedwithdb at gmail.com. For more sex ed content, follow us on IG at sexedwithdbpodcast and on TikTok at sexedwithdb. See you next time.